Well, good morning. It is so good to be with you. And it is that season of commencement. Oh, it's such an exciting season. Many are graduating. This capstone experience, all the graduates are, are looking good, cap and gown. Uh, we even had one in our own home who was graduating from high school uh, yesterday. Wow, big emotional moments. But here's something that's really curious to me, that the word commencement, it comes from the Latin word of inceptio that really means to begin. So why do we call this thing that is the end, the beginning? It's the beginning of what? Well, it's the beginning of lots of things. For many of these students, it is the beginning of this new chapter of more education. It's this new chapter of maybe some going into the military. Maybe it's a new chapter of the workforce and job. Or maybe it's a new chapter in trying to figure out what the next chapter is going to be. There's all of these possibilities. And really, the lingering question in the midst of commencement is really, like, now what? What's going to happen next? And how am I ever going to do it? Now what? How am I ever going to do it? And those are the big questions. And so at this moment, we just want to pull over and pause And we want to take some time to recognize those who have graduated right here in this space. If you are someone who has graduated from high school or college or a master's degree, a PhD, whatever it might be, if you are celebrating a graduation moment, why don't you just stand? We just want to just celebrate you. It's okay. It's all right. Everyone? Yes. All right. I have one over here, over here, all right, very good. These are, these are big moments, these are big moments of, of celebration, and we want to celebrate with you, and so why don't we just, I'm just going to pray for our graduates, and maybe some who are watching online as well, so let's just pray together. Dear God, we just give you thanks um, for these graduates who are here present, those who are watching, those who will come even to the next hour. And Lord, we know that um, this is huge. All the time of study, all the time of quizzes and tests and all the labs and everything that goes into education, uh, they have completed. They have gotten to the end of that, and, and, and it is a, a beautiful moment of completion. And so we give you thanks for that. But we also just pray for this next chapter in both of these lives, uh, the next chapter of what you will bring and the new uh, chapter of writing, and new things that they will experience, uh, the new things they will learn, how you will walk with them. And that's my prayer uh, for those graduates who are here, that you will walk with them in these next phases of life, and whatever that might look like, and that you will guide them, and they will draw their strength from you. And no matter where you take them, that they will draw their strength from you in the next phases of life. And so we just give you thanks uh, for them, and we pray all these things uh, by the power of your Son's name. And all God's people said, amen. All right, well, there are 6,000 colleges or universities in the United States. There are 24,000 high schools. That adds up to about 30,000 institutions of learning. 
And here's what has never happened for me. I have never been invited to speak at a commencement. Not that I'm bitter or anything about that. But today is a different kind of day. (laughs) See, today we are going to have a commencement moment, and that's why you are all here. Guess who's graduating today? You are! You, you, and you. And you're like, wait a second, I feel like I've skipped a lot of class. How can I be? Well, today is the final Sunday of our time in the book of Romans. 33 weeks. It feels like a commencement moment. A moment where we are now asking the question, not about the ending, but the beginning. It's a new beginning. A commencement moment for us as a church to say, okay, now what? And the question that goes with that, how are we going to do it? I mean, Paul has spent 16 chapters downloading this incredible, dense information of theology and doctrine, and now we get to the moment where it's like, okay, now what do we do with this? And if you are wondering that question along with me, you are in the right spot because Paul has an answer. We get right down to the final two verses of his letter, and he answers that question. You've heard it read, and so now we're going to unpack it a little bit more in our commencement moments. Thank you for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests, we are all here together. We're going to hear from some guest speakers along the way in our commencement moment. Thank you for being here. I don't think there's cake at the end. I'm sorry about that. All right, so Paul says this in the very last two verses. Many times when Paul gets to the end of his letters, it's, he has someone who's helping transcribe and someone who's writing. Most likely, as he gets to the end, he takes the pen from that person and he says, I want to finish this out. Let me. And so these are really his, his words to the church in Rome and for us as well. Listen to these words. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. I love how Paul writes. He doesn't write just like simple things. He writes because he's probably running out of room. He's like, I need to get this in, and it's dense, and it's thick. There's lots of things going on, even in these two verses. But here's what Paul recognizes. To answer the question of like this commencement moment of like, now what after 16 chapters? Here's what he realizes. He realizes that you are going to be needing to be prayed for. And that's really what this is. Your Bible might say doxology. Uh, Doxology is really this this word that, that puts the word of glory in God. To God be the glory, this moment, this calling out to God to say, help us. Give us what we need for this moment is what we're seeing, this prayer that Paul has. And the beautiful thing about it is there's one word that really is the highlight of this prayer. It is this word right here, strengthen. You are going to need strength to do it. You are going to need strength 
to fulfill these 16 chapters of what Paul has said. 32 weeks of material. This is what you need. And it's really interesting in the original language because right here, to him who is able is really the word of power. Power. The one who has all of the power, who is omnipotent, is now going to give you the strength that you need. Perfect. The God of all power is now going to give us the strength. Strength is what people have been looking for since the beginning of the scriptures. I mean, there are different moments. If you were to trace the word of strength amongst God's people through the word of God, you would spend an interesting journey kind of weaving your way through people who have called upon God for strength in difficult moments. Picture it. Moses has just crossed through the Red Sea. I mean, it has parted. He has walked through the Red Sea with God's people. Now he's being chased by Pharaoh's people, and the waves take them away. At the next moment in Exodus, this is what Moses says. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father is God, and I will exalt him. All right, a little bit further in the scriptures of the Old Testament, you come to someone like Nehemiah. He has now been tasked to build a wall around Jerusalem. It has been destroyed. Now he's building a wall, and there are people who don't want him to build that wall. There's lots of people who are like, no, that's not going to happen. Well, it is going to happen. No, and in that moment, Nehemiah cries out, and he says this, He says, their hands will drop from their work and it will not be done. But now, oh God, now, oh God, strengthen my hands. Give me the strength that I need to do what you have called me to do. And we could study the book of Psalms that David wrote, and we could do a study of strength in Psalms alone. And this is the same one who faced giants who faced all kinds of things that were difficult in his life. And in the book of Psalms, it says this, David cries out, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You see, on and on, God's people realize that to accomplish what God is intending in the next chapters of commencement of life, it's going to require strength from the Lord. All right, now back to Romans. Paul says it at the end that he is praying strength for them. Interestingly enough, if you go to the very beginning of Romans, he also says in chapter 1 that this is what he has been about. He's giving them these words to strengthen them. This whole letter has been about strengthening God's people in the church. And he's confirming that at the very end after 10,000 words. He's still praying this for them. All right, so back to the doxology. Paul prays, tells us, and he tells us this prayer. And really, in the midst of this, there is something that is about the foundation of really how do we draw our strength. And there's a key word that is repeated three times that really gives us kind of the blueprints for this. So we're talking about strength. How are we going to have strength? Paul says, according to, according to, according to. 
And that's really kind of this foundation, like, okay, how is this really going to play out? How are we really going to get our strength to do this? Well, it's according to this, according to this, according to this. Three foundational truths to really give us the strength that we're going to need. And so, like I said before, we're going to have some guest speakers speak into this as well, not just my voice, but other people along the way. And so the very first one we want to talk about is this one, according to, and really the highlight of this first according to is this word right here. It's the gospel. You see, for this 32 weeks you have sat here, you've been listening, if you have not heard about the gospel, then I have not done my job well. Because this is what Paul is all about, the gospel, the gospel. He even says it in chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power to, to save. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is the power to save for salvation to everyone who believes. And so Paul's been talking about this. And it's not just like nice talking points, like, oh, those are good things I learned in Sunday school a long time ago. Oh, the gospel. Oh, yeah, we did that a few years ago. No, he, he says the gospel is this thing that we are to be living each and every day. All right, so I don't want you just to hear it from me. Our first guest speaker today is going to be someone with the name of Jerry Bridges. I don't know if you know Jerry Bridges or not. He's written several books. He has now passed away. He's really the heart and soul of the Navigators, the campus ministry of the Navigators. And he coined the phrase, even though people have used it prolifically, he is the one who coined the phrase, preach the gospel to yourself every day. What does that mean? Well, hear it from his voice, his words, Jerry Bridges. This is what he says. To preach the gospel to yourself, then, means that you continually face up to your own sinfulness and then flee to Jesus through faith in his shed blood and righteous life. It means that you appropriate again by faith the fact that Jesus fully satisfied the law of God, that he is your propitiation. That's a Romans word. And that God's holy wrath is no longer directed toward you. To preach the gospel to yourself means that you take at face value the precious words of Romans 4, 7 through 8. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. It means that you believe on the testimony of God that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We must be careful that in the preaching of the gospel to ourselves, we do not preach a gospel without a cross. We must be careful that we do not rely on the so-called unconditional love of God without the realizing that his love can only flow to us as a result of Christ's atoning death. All right, so here's what Jerry Bridges is saying. He's saying every day when you get out of bed, you should preach the gospel to yourself. And it goes something like this. I am broken today. I'm broken. I'm sinful. I'm tempted. There are things that are going to happen today where I am going to be drawn to evil in this broken world. Yet here's what I know to be true, that Jesus Christ died for me. He is the one who paid my penalty. And I go forth in his strength today because of what he alone has done. 
That's preaching the gospel to yourself every day. You see, that's not just something you need to do in your past. That's something we need to do every day. Yes, there's a point where we understand the gospel for the first time, but then the gospel is every day as I get up and I go to work, I need to realize that I am broken, living in a broken world, and I am in need of Jesus Christ. His spirit that dwells within is, I need the spirit to guide me today. Each and every day is a day to preach the gospel. And that's what gives us strength for today. That's what Paul's saying. I'm praying that the God of all power will give you strength. How? Here's the first one. This first foundation, strength foundation number one, is really to ask this question. Are we preaching the gospel to ourselves every day? Because if you're not, then you are prone to faltering. You are prone to losing strength. You are prone to being discouraged. Because, let me just, let's just be honest, it's a very discouraging and difficult world. I mean, turn on the news and watch for a little bit. You'll see like, wow, there's a lot of hard and difficult things that are happening. How do we ever go forth in this? The gospel. Preach it to yourself. Every day, the gospel. All right, that's the first point. Let's go on to the next one. The second foundation is found in the next, according to, back to the doxology. And this is what Paul says. The revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages has been now disclosed and through the prophetic writings. That's the key word. There's writings that has been made known to all nations. These writings are a very integral part of finding strength these prophetic writings that Paul would say really point us back to the very beginnings. You see, for the people in the church of Rome, they didn't have the New Testament. They were living with the Old Testament, these prophetic writings. Like, what do you do with them? Well, they were reminded that, oh yeah, there is a story that's being told. And really, the unfolding prophetic part of the story goes all the way back to the beginning, to Genesis. Genesis chapter 12 God does something significant. He makes a promise with a human being, Abraham, and he tells him that I am going to bless you through your family. The rest of the world is going to realize this blessing through your family. And Abraham says, yeah, right. What's that going to look like? Ah, and the rest of the Old Testament tells the story, the prophetic uh, mystery is now being disclosed. It's all pointing to someone who would be coming. And you read the prophets, and they're like, yes, he's coming, he's coming. And then all of a sudden, it happened. In the little town of Bethlehem, he was born. All of the Old Testament leading to this moment. The Messiah is here. John the Baptist told about it. Here he comes. And here he is. And so these writings have incredible, incredible power, the unveiling of this revelation. And the scriptures, as we have today, Old Testament and now the New, what we say now the canon of what we have, still has this incredible power. 
these, this book is, is living and active, able to pierce into the deep places of our hearts and give us the truths and point us to the truths that our soul is looking for. This past week, I was doing some research through uh, the Wycliffe Bible Translators. I don't know if you're familiar with this organization, but they are dedicated to translating God's Word into as many languages as possible. Here are the latest statistics that they have. 1.5 billion people don't have a full Bible in their language. 167 million people don't have any scripture in their language. And even when it comes to sign languages, people who are deaf in all parts of the world are still waiting for a video Bible translation to begin. <sighs> Daunting, difficult. And as you dig into the, these stories on their website, it's incredible. Like when they have finished a translation and it goes into a people group, into a village, there are remarkable stories as they read the Word of God. And in the reading of God's Word, people are coming to know Jesus Christ by the droves in these places where God's word has not been, it now shows up and people are coming to know Jesus Christ. This book has something to tell us and to teach us and to draw us to the truths that our heart desperately wants to know. It gives us strength. And so here's the next foundational question that, we, that we're going to wrestle with. But before that, I want to show you what someone, another voice, A.W. Tozer. Anyone know A.W. Tozer? Aiden Wilson Tozer. I want you to hear his voice on this. Listen to these words. He was a pastor that wrote in the 1950s and 60s. Listen to these words. He says this. The question is this. What are we allowing the word of God to say to us? And what is our reaction to that word? Have we consumed and digested the book? Have we absorbed the word of God into our lives? Or are we among those content to be a part of a Christian congregation where there are no extreme demands, where fellowship will be consistently pleasant and without responsibility? When we as Christians love our Lord Jesus Christ with heart and soul and mind, the word of God is on our side. If we could only grasp the fact that God's word is more than a book, it is the revelation of divine truths from the person of God himself. It has come as a divine communication in the sacred scriptures. It has come to us in the guidance and conviction imparted by the divine spirit of God within our beings. It has been modeled for us in Jesus Christ, the incarnate word and the eternal son. Beautiful truth. God's word has that kind of ability to build strength, to be a part of our lives. The mystery now revealed. And so the strength foundation question that we could ask is this one. And we talk about number one being this idea of are we preaching the gospel to ourselves? The next according strength foundation is this. Is the Bible a priority in our lives? Or is it just something that A.W. Tozer says, it's just something that's pleasant and without responsibility. We kind of put it on the shelf and it gathers dust and maybe we pull it out to bring it to an event here or there. You see, what Tozer would tell us is that this word is active and living and alive and able to make God's people strong. There is strength in God's word. See, Paul's praying for us to find strength and he's telling us it's in these things of the gospel in his word. 
All right, the next according to is this one, the third one. Paul continues, according to, and then he says, the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. It's a very interesting term, the obedience of faith. You see, Paul used this term in chapter 1, verse 5, and then he repeats it again. But how does the obedience of faith bring strength? Well, let me tell you, so far in this letter, the first 11 chapters we said was Paul's doctrine. But then when we got to chapter 12, things changed where Paul said, okay, here's how you need to apply these things. And in chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. See, that speaks of obedience, being a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And so we spent a number of weeks from chapters 12 to the end talking about how he wants us to be intentional, to live out of this faith where we are obedient, and it looks different. And we talked a whole week about how we can be obedient to our governing authorities, how we can be obedient to even one another in the midst of our our freedoms and liberties, how we can be obedient to our own community, how we can be uniquely loving others. We talked a number of weeks about that. And so Paul is encapsulating all of this to say, this is what it means to, as he says, bring about the obedience of faith. And you might be wondering, okay, so how does this obedience of faith build strength in God's people? This is how it works. When I am looking to God's word, when I am living out the gospel, it is now giving me strength. And now I see Jim doing the same thing, and I see Dave doing the same thing, and I see, and you see what happens is when God's people are all doing the same thing because of God's word, living out the gospel, there is strength. On one of the weeks, I had a a tuning fork, and I said, it's like being all on the same frequency. And see, when we're all living out of an obedience of faith, we're all saying the same thing. You see, the world is going in a different direction. God's people are going in this direction, obediently following what he wants out of his word, out of living according to the gospel. See, all that's coming together to say this is how we are going to live our lives. And it's strength as we see others out of the corner of our eye saying, yes, you're my brother and sister in Christ. Yes, let's do this. Yes, let's do this. I know the world says we shouldn't or we should do it this way. But no, we are going to go this direction. And there is strength when we are living out of an obedience of faith. All right, but don't just hear it from me. There's another voice I want you to hear from, someone who lived a long time ago. This is Charles Spurgeon uh, in the 1800s. Listen to how he speaks of obedience of faith. I preach to you at this time obedience, absolute obedience to the Lord. And I preach obedience not as a slave, but as a child. The obedience of love, not of terror. The obedience of faith, not of dread. I shall urge you, as God shall help me, in order that you may come at this obedience, that you should seek after stronger faith. 
For by faith, Abraham obeyed. In every case where the father of the faithful obeyed, it was the result of his faith. And in every case in which you and I shall render true obedience, it will be the product of our faith. Obedience, such as God can accept, never cometh out of a heart which thinks God a liar, but is wrought in us by the Spirit of the Lord through our believing in the truth and love and grace of our God in Christ Jesus. If any of you are now disobedient or have been so, the road to a better state of things is trust in God. You cannot hope to render obedience by the more forcing of conduct into a certain groove or by a personal unaided effort of the resolution. There is a free grace road to obedience, and that is receiving by faith the Lord Jesus building strength. We must be obedient to the faith that has been entrusted into our lives through Jesus Christ. Spurgeon said it. And so we get to the next kind of foundational question we can ask as we're looking for strength. Every day we say, are we preaching the gospel to ourselves? Every day we're saying, is the Bible a priority in our lives? And strength foundation number three is this. What areas of God, is God calling us to a greater obedience? Because of living foundations one and two, where is there something of obedience that I need to see? Maybe there's a blind spot. Maybe there's something I'm doing under my own strength. Where is the Lord leading me to walk, not by sight, but to walk by faith? And I'm going to entrust him in this next chapter. And I don't know what it looks like, and it's scary and difficult, but I am walking with him, the one who is able, the one who has all the power. I am going to walk with him in this next journey. Not easy. It's, it's not easy. It's difficult. It's hard. But this is where strength is found in walking by faith and not by sight. How is your strength today? That's really the, the question that comes at the very end of the text. How is your strength? Are you walking in these things or are you stumbling? Paul wants to pray and say, Oh, the God of all power is able to do something unimaginable in your life when you trust him. He is the one who wants to give you strength. And so as we come down to the end, this really isn't the end. This is a new beginning for us. A, a new beginning to say, okay, now because of 33 weeks in, in Romans, now what? See, now we have an answer to that. Now what? This is what the now what is. We're going to go forth in strength because of the gospel, because of God's word, because of our obedience to the gospel and to his word. But I realize there might be some here and who are watching who are thinking, I don't know if I can do it. It's difficult. It's hard. I realize it is. And so I want you to hear the words from the prophet Isaiah who has something maybe to speak to your soul even today, because he is the one who talked about renewing our strength and allowing us to mount up like wings like eagles. 
He's the one who talks about running and, and not growing weary, being able to walk and, and not grow faint. And Isaiah 40 is all about the exchange, exchanging our weakness for his strength. And that's my prayer for Riverwood Community Chapel as well, that we would exchange our weakness and our strength for his strength, for what he is doing in and amongst us. And so I thought it would be very fitting at our commencement moment for me to pray over all of you. So why don't we just stand together, and I am going to pray uh, this doxology over all of us. Dear God, we come to you. Your people stand before you, and we pray that you we recognize as the one who is able to strengthen according to your gospel. And I pray that that would be a gospel that we would all know and embrace, the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ, that we would draw our strength not from ourselves, but from the truths of what he has done. And not only that, but we also draw our strength from your word. And I pray that your word would implant deep into the soul of your people here at Riverwood. That your word isn't just something nice that we put on bumper stickers and verses here and there, but that we, we are like Psalm 1. We are digging our roots deep, deep, deep into your word, allowing it to nourish us. And Lord, I pray for us to be obedient, that we would walk by faith and not by sight. And we pray all of these things by the power of your Son, Jesus Christ. We want glory to go to him and to you alone, not to us. And so we pray all of these things by the power of your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome to the Riverwood Chapel Podcast. We're so excited you're here. Please check out our other content and video uploads at riverwoodchapel.org. Thank you.